From Milwaukee's NPR, this is Capital Notes. We break down the big political news affecting Wisconsin. I'm Ayan Silver, speaking with J.R. Ross, editor of WisPolitics.com. He provides a roundup of the Wisconsin developments you need to know. Here's our latest conversation. Hi, J.R. It's a good day. Thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. So we're going to start with a story that you broke on Friday that the bipartisan Wisconsin Ethics Commission is recommending local district attorneys pursue felony charges against one of former President Trump's political action committees and other Republicans in the state. They say it uncovered a scheme to evade campaign finance law during the 2022 midterm elections. What's the alleged scheme? Essentially, the allegations that they were trying to find a way to evade the limit on campaign contributions from individuals to an assembly candidate so remember in 2022, Adam Steen uh, ran for the assembly against Robin Voss, the speaker. Uh, he first lost him in a primary about about 260 votes, then mounted a write-in campaign after that that was unsuccessful. But, and he was backed by Trump, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. And individuals can give up to $1,000 to a candidate. But there were people who said they asked Adam Steen, hey, how can I help you? And his answer was to basically direct money to the Florence County GOP and what essentially the scheme was is these people who are looking to give money above and beyond the thousand dollars would write checks to the Florence County GOP. They would put in the memo line, the number 63, which is the district that uh, Voss represents in the assembly. That would be a sign that money should be then funneled back to Steen's campaign. Now it's also illegal to earmark a contribution for, to a party for help a candidate. Likewise, Save America, the joint fundraising operation of Donald Trump, and one of his main fundraising arms, uh, made clear was going to send 5000 bucks each to three county parties. That money was going to be sent back to Steen through the Florence County GOP. Uh, in fact, one of the county parties, I went and looked at their campaign finance report, filed the state, it was earmarked or it was clearly marked on this donation that it was going to go to the Florence County GOP to help Adam Steen his writing campaign. Uh, so they were not really hiding it, what they were trying to do, but the complaint was filed. They did an investigation and now they're referring all this to chart to local district attorneys saying, look, these guys committed felonies in our opinion, but it's up to you to investigate and possibly file charges against the folks involved. Okay. And this was all because Trump was upset with Robin Voss because Voss was refusing to take steps to overturn the 2020 elections. So he supported Steen in the 2022 midterms. The Washington Post reports that if the district attorneys that the Ethics Commission referred its recommendations to do not act within 60 days, the commission has the authority to refer its request for prosecution to Attorney General Josh Call, who is a Democrat. What if the DAs refuse charges? Well, then, yeah, the option of the Ethics Commission is then it could uh, refer to DOJ. There also could be an option to go to a neighboring uh, DA. For example, one of the district attorneys who was received a referral as a member of the county party and said, hey, I've got a conflict here. I can't, I, ethically, I can't handle this. So the Ethics Commission has the option to look somewhere else to refer it. So there's that. Also, by the way, these DAs have a 40-day window for the first referral to basically report back to the Ethics Commission about how it's progressing if it's, not, if it's resolved. That four-day window closes right before our primary, April 2nd, for president. So that'll be interesting to see those reports come in if they do, right before you go vote for presidential primaries. But yeah, there, there are options here in case the DAs say they don't want to do something with it. And to break this down, just for people who are completely unfamiliar with campaign finance law, as you said, 
Wisconsin law limits individual donations to candidates. It does not cap how much political parties can give. But as you've said, and as the commission notes, county parties can't skirt those rules by accepting money and then earmarking it for a specific candidate, right? Yeah, and actually, uh, Robin Voss, the assembly speaker, helped co-author this law back around 2015 that said, we will no longer as a state impose a limit on how much you can give to a county party. Then therefore, there also is no limit how much those parties can transfer to political candidates. It, interestingly enough, uh, ended up coming back to bite Republicans in the butt because Ben Wicker, state party chair for Democrats, has been a phenomenal fundraiser, and he helped take in big checks to then send money to, to Tony Evers, who is an excellent partner with Luckland Raising Money. They really outraised Republicans in the gubernatorial race in 2022, the state Supreme Court race in 2023. And here you had people trying to use the law that Voss authored, co-authored against him um, to find a way around the campaign finance limits. Obviously, this was not a legal way to do it if the allegations are true, but they used that law that Robin authored trying to find a way to funnel more money to Adam Steen, who, you know, he was part of this group that has targeted Robin Voss because he has refused to heed calls from President, former President Trump to you know, overturn the 2020 election, which we know is not possible from various attorneys we've talked to. Robin has been an, an, an opponent of Donald Trump, and it's generated these opponents who were trying to go after him in various ways, and Steen was one of the ones who tried to beat him in a primary in 2022. Is it arguable to say that there was something legal about earmarking it for a candidate or that if they wouldn't have earmarked it to a candidate and just left it up to the county party to give whatever money it wanted to to Steen, then that would have been legal? Well, there's an interesting one. Mike Lindell, the MyPillow guy, the CEO, he is, uh, he, they looked at him, uh, the Ethics Commission did, their investigators, he gave $4,000, the Florence County GOP, but there was no probable cause or nothing to support probable cause that he intended that money to be sent back to Steen. So they did not recommend him for charges. There's an example of you could give money to a county party, uh, whatever money you want, um, as long as it's not earmarked, you're not in trouble, at least with that example. I see. Okay. And then, of course, as you mentioned, Trump endorsed Steen in the 2022 primary challenge. Voss narrowly won that election by 260 votes, that primary what can you tell us about Steen's attempt to get a recall election of Voss? Where is that now? Well, I don't know how involved Steen is, if at all. It's really a group of other folks who have kind of taken that upon themselves. They are more than halfway through the window they have to collect the signatures. Now, what's interesting is we don't know for sure which lines are going to be used or would be used for a recall election. So remember, the state Supreme Court in December uh, of last year ruled that the maps that were used for the 2022 elections cannot be used going forward. They're unconstitutional. Um, the map that was signed by Governor Evers last week that put new lines in place, that one takes effect for the November election, the fall, uh, the fall elections with the August primaries. So there's a question of what's in place between now and November. Um, there has been an argument made for the state Supreme Court that it should keep this case open um, to figure that out. Republicans have argued, no, you don't need to, that the Elections Commission will be, they, they assume they will use the new maps for any recall or special elections that take place. Don't forget there's a vacant seat in the state Senate right now in the Milwaukee area well, once Lena Taylor became a circuit court judge. But that question is unresolved. They haven't, nobody said for sure what lines are in place. What I'm getting at is these people doing the recall election, if they gather signatures from people who live in the old district and the new district is the one that's going to be used, those signatures don't count, 
or at least they wouldn't seem to. So that could be a complicating factor for them as they try and get enough signatures to trigger a recall election. You're tuned into Capital Notes. I'm Ayan Silver, speaking with J.R. Ross, editor of WISPolitics.com. So, um, J.R., you touched upon redistricting. Governor Tony Evers had signed the new state legislative district maps into law after his version of those maps was passed by the GOP-led legislature. Where can people find information on their new districts? Well, if you're looking for a resource, we actually have a, a redistricting page at our website. You can go look at some of these districts and how they've changed. We have interactive maps that show where current incumbents live compared to the new lines. There are a number of pairings in both the Senate and the Assembly that change things. The Elections Commission will now begin to take these new lines and implement them. They had hoped to have them by March 15th. They got them a few weeks early. So the key deadline is April 15th. That's when candidates can begin circling nomination papers for office. They have those lines in place then, so you're gathering the, the right signatures. They can be checked against the database where these folks live. Um, it's going to be an interesting few weeks for the Capitol. The guess around uh, the Capitol from the people I've talked to is that there's going to be a little bit of chaos, especially for Republicans the next few weeks, because a number were drawn into different seats from where they are right now. Um, they have to figure out, one, where are they going to run? Two, will they be running against a fellow Republican? And three, when do they have to move? They have to move. Um, there is a state law that says you must be an elector of the state for one year and reside in your district for the Assembly of the Senate when you assume the office. The question, though, is for somebody like a Rob Coles in Green Bay is, what's that exact deadline? Because Rob Coles has represented the 2nd Senate District since 1987. He was drawn into the 30th District with Eric Wimberger, a fellow Republican, and Andre Jacques. Coles told me last week that he plans to move to the 2nd District, the new one, and run there because... Much of the territory he represented in the second has still there in that district. He just his house is now in the thirtieth district. But his question is, when do I have to be a resident? When do I have to move? Is it like after the election, just the day he takes office, if he wins, or is it some other tight? So that's a, a tough question for some folks. And two, the housing market's not great for buyers right now, great for sellers, not for buyers. Interest rates are higher than they were before a few years ago. So it really is giving some Republicans heartburn about okay. What, what do I do? Is this really worth it? Is it worth a job that pays less than 60000 bucks a year to upend my life and move? Andre Jacques is another good example of the impact. He was elected in 2022 to an odd-numbered district. All the ones up this fall are even-numbered. There is a belief, an argument, that uh, from the, the Attorney General's office from 1983 that if you are in a district that you're elected to and the lines change during your term, you retain that office for the full term. So for Andre... If that theory is correct, he would remain the senator for the 1st Senate District through at least the 2026 election. Now, the question would become, what then? Would he have to move before the election? Would he have to move just the day if he, if he won re-election in 2026? What's the requirement? There are other, several other Republicans in the same situation. Howard Markline in Spring Green is the 17th Senate District Senator. He was joined in the 14th. Jesse James is the Republican from Altoona. He was elected to the 23rd in 2022. Now he's in the 31st. And Romaine Quinn uh, from Cameron was elected the 25th, is now the 23rd. So they've all got to figure out the next couple of years, what are they going to do next? They probably some time to figure it out. But it's an interesting dynamic for those guys to know, okay, I don't live in my district the way it's going to be drawn, but if I want to retain it, I'm going to have to move eventually. Yeah, so you've just been explaining some of the challenges that Republicans are facing fielding candidates or figuring out where their candidates are going to be with the new maps. We actually have a listener question via our election survey, which 
you can access at wuwm.com slash election survey. So this, this listener wrote in asking, with the new districts in Wisconsin, how will Democrats find candidates to run in the elections? They write, in some of these districts, it's been so long since Democrats have had a chance. So many seats have not been contested. Do you have any idea about that? Yeah, it's a great question. For Democrats, um, they've been kind of operating under the assumption that there's going to be a new map for a while. And remember, January 12th was a deadline for all of the parties to submit their proposed maps. So they've had an idea what the options, the possibilities were for more than a month now. And they've been recruiting people in kind of regions with the idea of, okay, you might fit in this district or this district. We'll see what lines are drawn. Um, so they've been kind of preparing for that. Now, for Democrats, you know, look, these maps provide a path to majority, but not a guarantee, especially in the state Senate. Unless Republicans have an absolute nightmare of an election in November, like the bottom drops out for the presidential nominee, that kind of thing, there are really only three, maybe four seats in the Senate that are going to be pickup opportunities for Democrats. Best case, sorry, even if they won all you know, four, that still have Republicans at 18 seats which is the majority in the Senate. So you're not going to flip the Senate this fall. You need 2026 as well and everything go your way to get there. The Assembly's different. Um, there's a, a path there, but it's a matter of, you know, resources, candidate quality, message. You know, what issues are going to dominate this fall? Is it going to be immigration, taxes, abortion? You know, what's going to be the thing that drives voters come November? That's really a, a key question because I have these benchmarks of these seats, you know, from the top of the ticket, how they've done before. But, Past uh, performance isn't a guarantee of anything. So if you, but if you look at that past performance, I start with 47 assembly seats that are about 55% better for Republicans, about 41 the same mark for Democrats. So you could argue that there are like 11 seats that really matter, that are really going to be the swing seats this fall that determine things. And that's, that's where the focus is going to be. And now there's some caveats to that, though. One of those 55% Democratic seats is represented by uh, Todd Novak, a Republican from uh, down in Dodgeville. He's outrun the top of the ticket before. Can he do it again? You know, 55 plus is a tough seat to do it in, but he's done it before. Can that, is that mountain too high though this time? Those are like examples of, even though you start with these new numbers, these better seats, there are no guarantees for either side this fall that this new map is gonna lead to a drastically different number. It should, it should narrow the, the difference at the very least in the assembly for Democrats, but there's no guarantee they'll win the majority even with these new maps. All right, a lot to keep an eye on. Uh, thanks so much for the analysis, JR, and thanks for joining me on Capital Notes. Anytime. That was JR Ross, editor of WISPolitics.com, speaking with me, WUWM's Mayan Silver. Listen for our segments every other Monday with an extended segment on Lake Effect, and check out the Capital Notes podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Mm-hmm.